0: Oh my god, what's up party people, and welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, or you can find me at Nancy on Twitter if you are so inclined. I don't recommend either. <laughs> but that's just me. Welcome to season 12, bitches. Oh my god, we are back in the Nancy Drew files. Um, we're back in 1988, I believe. Let me just chat real quick. Yeah, we're in August of 1988. So we're just chugging along. We're, we're real good here. Uh, this is case number 26, playing with fire, which, oh my God, so fucking on the nose, y'all. Oh my God. Okay. Cover. So this one is mostly white, like just gazing into a sea of white as though we're in some sort of blank null space where podcasts happen. Nancy is wearing a very blousy, like, borderline pirate shirt. It's yellow, and it's a button-down, and she's paired it with white pants, which is an interesting look. No judgment. She's also rocking a solidly red hairstyle at this point. Her hair is past shoulder length. She's also gazing at us, like, knowingly, like, yeah, yeah, bitch, I know that I am playing with fire, and I'm here for it. Directly behind her, like, kind of looking over her shoulder as though he is photobombing her selfie, is a dude with his denim shirt, which is unbuttoned nearly to his navel, so he's he's trying to give romance novel cover, and he is failing utterly. He's got his hand tucked into his pockets. We all know what that means. To his pleated gray pants with a black belt. He has dark hair, and he is not Ned. Like, that's that's really all you need to know about him. Anyway, in the background is Nancy wearing the exact same outfit, standing next to a woman whose dress is on fire, I hate everything about that. We're going to get to it. Oh, my God. We're going to get to it. Anyway. Okay. So, if you will remember Wings of Fear, which, oh, my God. Yes. Everything. Everything. It's giving everything. Uh, Wings of Fear is the one where Nancy is on an airplane because she's trying to catch the person who is engaging in smuggling slash sabotage as always. And that's the one where best learns to actually like legit be a flight attendant. If one can learn to do so within like a 48 hour span. So, the dude who owns the airline, whose name is Preston Talbot, but because he's now decided to diversify into hotels, I'm like, so now you are Richard Branson. So that's who I'm going to picture for you at all times now. Richard Branson. Richard Branson has decided to, his name, the name of his is Victory Airlines. So it's Victory Hotel. And I was like, you're giving World War II era, like maybe that's what you want. Maybe that's what we were into in 1988. IDK. Anyway, He has invited Nancy to come to Los Angeles, which Nancy is deeply excited about. Who would not be? It's Los Angeles. Um, So that she can explore the wonderful world of Napoleon artifacts, which have burned in a fire. Um, Oh, my God. Like... Okay. So here's the thing. Richard Branson is holding a, some sort of benefit or fundraiser or charity gala or some shit. It's, it's the kind of thing where you're like, I don't want to get the cops involved for negative publicity reasons. And you're like, yes, of course. Sure. That's, that's what I like to do. I like to have like people who are into chaos and also burning shit to be running rampant around my hotel at all times. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here for security cameras because that would be too much. That would infringe upon privacy and we ain't here for it. So he has decided to invite Nancy out because she did so smashingly well earlier, when she was finding out whoever was smuggling in artifacts into his Victory Airlines drug front. Because as we discussed last time, his airplane, his airline seems to consist of like maybe two airplanes, <laughs> and all of it is run out of like a six-story tower. <laughs> And we're like, you've got all of three employees. Are you sure this isn't a drug front? Like, are you absolutely positive it's not a drug front? We all think it's a drug front. You need to know that. Also, we're pretty sure that half of your staff is probably gay. And we're fine with it. Like, good for you. Good for you. Anyway, um, this one opens with Nancy on the plane. um, And she's talking to George because, of course, Bess is up trying to seduce the co-pilot or some shit. Like, it's, it's that dude she met in the last book where she was like, Yes, we we have a date later, and he's super hot. And Nancy's like, y- you keep falling for suspects, hon. I mean, you do you, but I'm just saying. Anyway, so Bess is up front trying to re- to join the Mile High Club, is what she's doing. She refreshed her makeup before going to visit him, and you're like, we all know what that means. Nancy, meanwhile, is like, she's like, Ned would come with us, but he had a special project in Emerson. Let's, let's take a brief digression. Um, somebody recently posted in the Facebook Nancy Drew fans group, and she was talking about she. I'm going to go with she here. I do not remember the gender of the person who was posting, but I think it was she. Um, was saying that they wanted to write Nancy Drew files in the, I guess, probably early 90s. Because the Nancy Drew files were produced through, like, 1999, I believe. No, it wasn't even that late. I think it was 1997 was when the last one was done. Um, Yeah, that sounds about right. Anyway, she wrote to them, which, as all of you know, that is my fucking dream job. If I could get into a fucking time machine and you're like, would you kill baby Hitler? The answer is always yes. But the second stop I would make is to stop in the probably late 80s. And I would write to Simon and & Schuster and be like, hey, bitches, um, I have an outline for a book. Because that's what you would do. You would send an outline for a fucking book to them, and you'd be like, hey, can I write this book for you? And they'd be like, hell yeah, or absolutely not. One of those two things would happen. Anyway, so the ghostwriter in question was like, so can I write about Nancy exploring a cult? And I was like, fuck yes. But anyway... During this, if you wrote to them and you were like, I want to write a Nancy Drew book, they would reply back to you with a character Bible, which I was like, tell me everything. So my favorite thing is that Ned is thoroughly described as like six foot three, very handsome, attending Emerson College, like very cute. Just he's there to support Nancy. He is not a boring man. He is he is an active, vital man. (laughs) I'm dying. It sounds like a 1960s fashion wear ad. Active and vital. Um, but it says that he and Nancy share a wholesome yet heated passion, which would be unknown in the previous books. And I was like, yeah, they're coming right up to banging. Just like right up to that, right up to that line and just not quite going at it. Just not quite. Anyway, in this book, now does not actually appear, which deeply saddens me. But Nancy is, of course, recalling when they said goodbye to the airport. And he held her back and they had a tender embrace followed by some very spine-tingling kisses, and I was like, they did it in the backseat of that car. Like, I know it was 8 o'clock in the morning. I know that Ned's got some projects at Emerson, slash, he's actually a Secret Service agent, and this is his cover identity as being an Emerson College student for, like, 30 years. But y'all totally did it in the back of that car so he dropped them off at the airport they're they're on the flight now and Nancy's like yeah that was some good shit and george is like so what about the mystery and Nancy's like let's wait till Bess gets back from banging the co-pilot and so Bess comes back and they're like hey bitch hey how was it and she was like we're gonna have a date later and you're like i'm really proud of you for having sex in a place that is not an airplane laboratory so um nancy gets to decide, tell them about the case so again, Richard Branson is diversified into two hotels now. He has the one. It's, I, I think like, was it a boutique hotel? I think at this point it would have probably maybe been a boutique hotel. Anyway, so he's going to have this gala. Um, there's a guy staying at the hotel. I'm going to cast Matt Bomer in this role for reasons. You will see. He is supposed to be have dark hair and be very handsome and I think have blue eyes and I was like okay Matt Bomer yes fine we're good um so Matt Bomer is staying at the hotel he um had a Napoleon miniature which he decided to put in the hotel's vault and it burned that motherfucker burned um nothing was left there was just ashes um along with the cash receipts which the first two times i read those words i was like okay so receipts for cash and then the third time i read it i went oh they mean like actual cash that was received by the hotel okay cuz i was just picturing a, a stack of yellow triplicate receipts but i was like no no they're they're talking about legit cash they were like yes yeah, so it is all burned and i was like the third time i read it and i was like i saw that i was like Oh, somebody sold that shit. Like, mm, okay. Nobody had seen Oceans Eleven at this point. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so that's all they know. It burned up, there's no sign of whatever made it burn up. Um and they need to catch the person who was doing this. So they show up to the to actually pick up their luggage and everything when Matt Bomer appears. I cannot remember his fucking name in this book, and it really doesn't matter because the the guys' names in this book are like straight off douchey. So like one is named Chad and one is named like not Trent but something just as bad. It's like mm, somebody just went through a baby book and was like, "What's the most popular names in 1988?" Because we're gonna give you all those names. Um, so Matt Bomer steps up behind Richard Branson and it's like, hey girl, hey, I didn't know that, not know that detectives could be so sexy. And Nancy's like, why don't you choke on a dick? Like she is extremely cold to him and I'm here for it. She's like, bitch, I ain't here for this. She's used to hearing this, but not with the added like, oh, you're so sexy though. And she's like, why don't you shut up? <laughs> I was like, Yes thank you for not falling for the first hot guy um anyway so she's pulling like her woven straw bag tighter on her shoulder and like they're going through the luggage carousel and everything when Bess is like oh my god Nancy your bag's on fire and Nancy looks over and there is indeed smoke emitting from her bag so she runs out of the terminal and throws her bag in the middle of the road where it fucking explodes because we know how to kick off a bug y'all and it's with an exploding handbag it's actually not her handbag it's like her tote bag Anyway, so one of the, like, okay, again, this is pre-9-11. So, like, hmm, uh, what's going on? I don't even know. Did, was TSA, did it even exist? Was it just a twinkle in some senator's eye? So, like, one of the airport security guys runs up to her and He was like, who threw that bag? And he was like, I did, because it was, and he was like, shut up and put your hands on your head. And she's like, uh, what? It w- It wasn't, he's like, it blew up. And so, Bess and George come up, and they're like, it wasn't her it wasn't her and he was like are you with them then get your hands on your head as well so then Richard Branson comes out and he's like hey they're with me and they did not blow up their bag and the cop is like that's legit though and Nancy's like thank you So the cop was just standing there and he's like, oh my God, Richard Branson spoke to me. The hand he touched, I shall never wash again. And so Richard Branson is like, what the fuck was that? That was pretty fucked up. And he's, he's like, I know, right? What the fuck? They don't know who put it under a bag. It could have been anybody, et cetera, et cetera. Matt Bomer standing right there. And he's like, man, that was weird. Um, I just had to go check with security for vague reasons. Is everybody okay? And they're like, no. And then the cop is like, Oh, I think you're gonna have to go make a statement. I'm sorry. I was blinded by Richard Branson and his shiningly white teeth. So yeah, we're gonna have to go do that. So they're gonna make a statement. They go to the hotel. They're staying at the Victory Hotel, which again, giving 1945 vibes, but okay. That's cool. Um, They're in a suite. Everything is just really cool and everything. I, I think that Nancy still had her handbag and... I don't know. It seems like she didn't lose anything necessary in that tote bag, which that, mm, what were you doing with a carry on that didn't have your necessaries in a girl? Or do you always double pack because you're always expecting somebody to blow up one of your bags? That does seem on brand for her. Anyway, they get to the hotel. um, I think that Bess is like, yeah, can we just not plan anything for later? Because as you know, I've got a a healthy, wonderful sex date and Nancy and George are like, and we love it for you. We're here for you. We love it. Um, so they go interview everybody that they can think of. They talk to the people at the front desk who they were like, no, no, we noticed nothing weird. Um, they talk to the people who put the stuff in the vault and they didn't notice anything weird, et cetera. Um, yeah, like nothing, nothing really seems to add up. No, they don't learn anything new really. Um, so Nancy talks to, Matt Bomer again, and she's like, okay, is there anything you can tell me? And he's like, oh, well, um, it's kind of weird. Like this other person also, she had a Napoleon manuscript and it also the same thing happened. Matt Bomer also tells Nancy that he received a note under his door that said that he had to give them a million dollars or they were going to destroy the Napoleon miniature. Like, he had 24 hours to do it. Clearly, he did not do it. And they destroyed the Napoleon miniature. And Nancy's like, you do not seem broken up about this. And he's like, no, nah, it's fine. <laughs> and Nancy's like, oh, okay. Um, that seems like it, it was a really expensive thing, though. And he's like, yeah, but I got it for free. And, I mean, if I get anything back from the insurance, I'm just going to give it to charity. I mean, it's fine. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. So... So that makes it sound like money was not the motivation in this. That, you know, if, if it were destroyed, that any money he gets back, he's going to give it to charity anyway. So it's fine. It's weird. But this also means that the insurance investigator is on scene. The insurance investigator for this would be played by Stephanie March, who is Bobby Flay's ex, and also played an ADA on Special Victims Unit. And she was also the lesbian that Jack set Liz up with on 30 Rock so get her fixed in your head yes she is playing the insurance adjuster picture her at her steely best so she's there and she's like yes i'm investigating the crime and everything seems fishy and nancy's like yes it does you are not wrong about that so um when Chef talks to matt bummer again and he's like yeah they tried to extort me so i think that he got his extortion note on wednesday night he had not paid up by thursday night and like at 3 a.m on friday is when like apparently the fire alarms went off or, or something went off to make them check the vault and find that it was empty and everything was burned. So, um, and again, when she checks with the fire, people are like, yeah, no sign of an accelerant. We have no fucking clue what happened. Just we're doing an A plus job. Just fantastic. So good jobs. Um, but he tells her about the manuscript. So she goes to check that person out. This person can be played by Mila Kunis. At her bitchy best. So I think that her name in this book is Elizabeth, but I don't fucking care. Her name is Mila Kunis at this point. So Nancy goes to Mila Kunis's house, which is a fucking mansion. Like they pull up and Bess and George are like, yes, this is the life. This is absolutely the life. So they come in to talk to her. She had a Napoleon manuscript and I can't remember if it was supposed to be like. I don't think it was supposed to be written by Napoleon. I think it was supposed to be like maybe a contemporary that was writing about Napoleon, but it doesn't really fucking matter. Anyway, it same thing happened. They got an extortion note, and it was on gray paper with a, a thin red banner. And Nancy's like, "Do you still have it?" She's like, "No, nah, fam, I'd throw that shit away." Um, but she has like a really fucking nice house, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I inherited from my dad, and like I'm dad or uncle. I think it was dad." Um, she was like, and I've, I've sold a few pieces. I bought a few pieces, but I'm, you know, it's fine. Like super casual about all this. And then somebody bursts in and she'll be played by Amanda Seyfried. Um, Amanda bursts in and she's like, Oh my God, Mila, something terrible happened. And Mila's like, what happened girl? And Amanda's like, the Empress's flame, it has been threatened. And Nancy's like, pourquoi? What what is this Empress's flame of which you speak? Okay, I want you to suspend all disbelief. And you're like, bitch, I did that 20 minutes ago. Where do you think I am? Hurts? Anyway, so um, the Empress's flame is supposedly, and I did not look this up because a a part of me doesn't want to know, the dress worn by the Empress Josephine on her coronation. Yeah, I want you to just think about that for a hot minute. Okay, that's the dress from the, what, 18... 1850s? 1850s at this point, it's 130 years old-ish. I didn't look up the dates on Napoleon, though. I feel like it's, it's definitely pre-1900, though. At this point, that, that dress is over fucking 100 years old. Anyway, it's supposed to be deeply gorgeous, worn by Josephine, like wonderful. So when Amanda say bursts in, she's like, oh my God, they said they're going to, if I don't give them a million dollars, they're going to burn it. And Mila Kunis is like, bitch, shh, Nancy is here. She's, she's a person who is into defending things. Maybe she will take your case. And Nancy's like, Somebody's got a thing about Napoleon, apparently. So, first a miniature and then a book about Napoleon, and now a dress that was worn by Napoleon's wife. Like, oh my God, how could this not be Napoleon related? And so, Mila Kunis is like, oh my God, you know who really hates Napoleon and who might want to do this? I think that it's this professor. She's French and she fucking hates Napoleon. Like, she loathes him. Like, to the nth degree. And Nancy's like, so she wants to destroy everything related to him that's in the greater LA area? And Mila Kunis is like, Exactly. That's that's how she rolls. The other thing is that um, whenever she talked to Matt Bomer and asked him who might have it, you know, any reason to steal the miniature, she was like, um, like, who you bought it from or somebody else who wanted to buy it. He mentions an art dealer or an antiques dealer, somebody who deals in antiques and who really deeply wanted the miniature. And so he's like, maybe you could talk to him because he he was like, he might have thought, like, if I can't have it, nobody can. Which, again, he doesn't even come out and say, like, that he said this or that he threatened them. It was just like, well, he really wanted it, so maybe he burned it. And he's like, that doesn't fucking make any sense. If he wanted it, why would he fucking burn it, dipshit? Anyway, so Mila Kunis is talking to Amanda Seyfried. And Amanda is having a party, like, the following night. And, of course, she's like, I can't let the, the dressing interfere with the party thing. So Mila Kunis is like, I have an idea. I'm going to call the studio. Oh, I forgot to mention, Matt Bomer is a Nepo baby. So he, his father owns a studio, Kincaid Studios. And um, so, like, his father's a movie producer. So um, Mila, who is friends with Matt Bomer, is, I'm saying all this, like, you know, they're all fictionalized. It's fine. They're just playing roles. Uh, Mila Kunis is like, oh, yes, I know the seamstress or the, like, the lead costume designer who works at Kinkai Studios. So let me just call her. So uh, Mila Kunis is like, okay, we'll we'll just get a duplicate of the dress made and it will be great. And we can, you can like display that and you can hide the original and nobody will know. And if the person who was trying to burn up shit attacks it, they will just attack the minute, the, the one that does a copy and it will be fine. And Nancy's like, perfect. I mean, you're already on top of this. Why am I even involved? bitch, so, yeah, so, that's what she, she calls them, and she's, like, oh, yeah, and they say that they can do it, like, within the next, like, 12 hours, so it's great, and I was, like, I've, I've got questions, does she not have a day job? Okay, it's fine, so, yeah, Um, in the meantime, Nancy decides to go question the art dealer, who, hmm, Bill Murray, is played by Bill Murray in this role, often, probably, recently found out a problematic bill murray um anyway so she goes into his shop uh they see that there's a close sign on the door and they spot this guy like coming out of the store and he's wearing like a full beard and they're like hmm he's hot and he also just came out of that store so i guess it must be open who is he going to be played by i don't know like generic hallmark leading man guy lumberjack anyway does he look faintly lumberjacky why not but I think his name is Chad. So that undercuts the whole thing. Anyway, so they go in there and do Bill Murray calls from the back. He's like, Who's there? He's all cranky. He's being cranky yet lovable. He's being quirky, like he's in a Wes Anderson movie. So they go back to the back and he like he brings out a fucking flint lock and is like, Who's there? And Nancy's like, Um, sir, can you please put that on the flint lock? And none of us here want you to have powder burns all over your general areas. And he's like, oh, I was cleaning this. I did not even realize I had it in my hands. And they're like, that's what everyone says when the cops show up. Like, oh, I was just cleaning it and it accidentally went off. It's fine. So Nancy asks him about the miniature and he's like, oh, yeah, that miniature was fucking awesome. I loved it. I was here for it. I wanted it. And Nancy's like, so, so much that you maybe would set fire to it. And he's like, why would I set fire to it? Napoleon is fantastic the frame alone, oh my god, and so Nancy's like, okay, so, okay, okay, so you wanted to buy it from him, he's like, yeah, because I tried to buy it from the Sheik, but the sheep wouldn't sell it to me, and Nancy's like, uh, pourquoi, the Sheik, Tell me more, and so, um, Millbury is like, yeah, so Matt Bomer was playing poker with the Sheik, and that was what they—that was what he decided to get for his bid. Like, he won the poker hand, and that's what he asked for was a Napoleon miniature. And the Sheik really didn't want to give it up, but he did. And Nancy was like, he really didn't want to give it up, did he? Hmm. So Nancy gets his number from Bill Murray. The Sheik will be played by Naveen Andrews, who played Saeed on Lost. <laughs> I have a very limited amount of pop culture references. (laughs) Anyway, also, he's hot, so he can get it. It's fine. Um, So, Nancy calls him, makes an appointment, and shows up to... And she goes to... And, okay, I would say that we're, like, leaning into racist stereotypes. He does not have, like, an Aladdin mansion... But we're definitely talking like some massive columns. We're talking like all the trappings of luxury. The sheik is living just outside LA. I think I can't remember if he's in Malibu or Palisades or anyway, but he's he is in a fucking nice part of town. Um they pull up and Bess and George are like, Yes to all this. You take us to the nicest places, oh my god. Anyway. So they go in there and Nancy talks to the Sheik and she's like, So he wanted off you off a poker game. And the she's like, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't want to part with it. I, I fucking love Napoleon. He's fantastic. My fiance, who I'm marrying on Saturday, BT dubs. Um, yeah, she loves him as well. We're, we're both enthusiasts. So Nancy gets the vibe from him that he would not have done this. Um, he he seems like sad that he lost it, but he's not like being sour grapesy about it. So she's like, okay, okay. Like, that's fine. Um, so then they go to the party again, Amanda Seyfried's house, Amanda inherited her house from her uncle who said that she could not sell any of it. And, um, what Nancy found out is that the sheik desperately wanted the Empress's flame for his fiance because she fell in love with the dress and she wanted to wear it for their wedding. Like wear the dress. Um, but Amanda could not sell it because it was one of the provisions in her uncle's will that she like basically maintain the collection, <clears throat> so she can't sell it. So she's got all the all these fantastic items that she can't show, she can't actually sell. So uh, they go over to her house. She's setting up for the party, and um, she's decided to put both the original dress and the copy of the dress in a like un, it's like a tamper proof locked box like, each one of those is in a separate box, and so Nancy goes to look at them, and she's like, oh, this looks great, like, if Nancy brought a party dress, but whenever she shows up, she's like, oh, we were doing Met Gala, I was unaware that we were doing Met Gala, um, I would have packed a much larger suitcase with some crinolines, but that did not happen, so they go up there, and they're looking at the dresses, and Nancy looks at both dresses, and she's like, these are both in, like, excellent condition, and Amanda's like, I know, right, they look so good, and Nancy's like, no, like, really good condition for a dress this old, like, we're, look at, look at the, like, the color, it's just fabulous, and Amanda's like, I know, and um, Mila Kunis also shows up, and she's like, I know, they are fantastic, aren't they? Yes, oh my god, so they leave Nancy, Bess, and George up in the room to, like, check everything out, make sure it's okay before the party, um, and the Josephine dress, the Empress's flame, has a, like, little crown pendant on it, and Nacy's like, oh, that's cute, and, this is the thing that's fucking ridiculous as shit to me. Okay. Nancy looks at the dress and she's like, okay, let's check out the room, check out the security, make sure that, you know, if, you know, can anybody get through the windows, et cetera. And so Bess is like, oh my God, this dress is so cute. Like, oh my, I think it would look so great on me, but I would like, I'm, I'm a little bit too big for this dress, but George, I think this dress would fit you. And George is like, do you think so? And I was like, full stop. No no what are you doing so George looks at the dress and she's like oh my god I I, I feel this desperate need to try it on and I was like that's called a, a do sex machina that's trying to make you try that dress on or the devil what are you doing this is this is not in character for George this is not in the spirit of pride week <laughs> what are you doing anyway so George is like oh my god can I try it on and Nancy's like what? No. And George is like, I'll be really careful. Like, I will never have this chance again. Oh my God. And Nancy's like, instead of saying, have you been possessed? Is like, uh, okay. Just for a second. Side note, earlier in the book, Bess is like, have we considered that, um, there's this book I'm reading where this girl can set fires with her mind. And I was like, I love that Bess is reading Firestarter by Stephen King at this point. And it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a girl involved who can set fires with her mind. Like that makes all kinds of sense. Anyway, (laughs) George tries on the dress. Just, yeah, every, every bell in your head should be going off at this point. Like, first off, this is extremely out of character for George. This is not a thing that she would normally do in the books. This is a thing that Bess would absolutely do. She would be like, hi, can I try on this priceless dress? No, George would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, George tries on the dress, and she goes over to look at herself in the mirror, and she's like, oh, my God, it looks so good on me. And then she touches the crown pendant, and she's like, something is weird about this dress. And then the dress fucking catches on fire. With George in it. With George in it. Like, Nancy sees, like, basically it goes up the seams of the dress, and she's like, son of a bitch, George, get on the ground and roll. And she, like, tries to to get her, like something to smother the flame so that the flames will go out. And then George like is so disoriented that she goes out on the balcony to get some air because she's had some smoke inhalation, falls off the fucking balcony into the fucking swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, that happens. They look down and they're like, "What the fuck?" When they look down. Um remember the lumberjack dude who was walking out of the antique store earlier? Yes, he's in the pool and he's like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" and he fishes George out um she is now wearing a ruined dress like patches of skin poking through just all disoriented and weird um everyone's like oh my god is she okay give her about the mouth and 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 chad the lumberjack is like she's breathing it's fine uh so nancy and Bess go down there and they're like what the fuck okay i want you to think about this okay the dress caught on fire so there's that then the dress went into a swimming pool. It's a tattered, sodden mess at this point. And so Amanda comes up and she's like, oh my God, what happened? And Nancy's like, um, so George was trying on the dress and it caught on fire. And then she fell in the swimming pool. And Amanda's like, oh my God. Oh, Like they bring George into the house. And she's like, oh my God, is she sopping wet and sitting on my silk couch? Oh my God. And they're like, um, he, she's, um, she's just been through a lot. And Amanda's like, oh my god, okay, I guess we should call an ambulance. Uh, it's okay. So, geez. And Nancy's like, I'm really sorry about the dress. And Amanda's like, it's okay. I mean, it's fine. And you're like, really? This priceless antique dress that you're just like, no, it's fine. Anyway, so they take George to the hospital. Um, Nancy's there at the party, but it it hardly feels like they need to be doing anything. Nancy's like, okay, so is there a security guard on the room upstairs that has the, the copy of the dress in it? And, uh, Mila Kunis, who was just hanging around is like, no, like we thought everything was fine. So anyway, Nancy is completely discouraged at this point. She's like, "I, I feel like I've been totally useless. Um, when the insurance investigator, Stephanie March shows up and she's like, Nancy, I've solved the case. And Nancy's like, Oh, well, shit. Okay, okay, cool. Um, So Stephanie March takes Nancy to Richard Branson's office, and she's like, look here, and he has the same stationery that the the extortion letters have been delivered on. So Nancy, after this chapter-ending moment, is like, um yeah, but his office seems to be fairly high, truly trafficked, so, um, I don't know if this is a slam dunk that you think it is, also negative publicity, also what would be his motive, also blah, 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 and Stephanie March is like, I know that it's not perfect, but I'm gonna find evidence, and Nancy's like, you get on that, hon, you get on that, so, in the meantime, Nancy's decided to track down the Napoleon-hating professor, who lives on a houseboat with at least four cats, <laughs> I love everything about this. Um, When they invite, when the professor invites Nancy in, like, she's like, that's a lot of books and also a lot of cats. And whenever Bess was like, they were walking up to it, Bess was like, oh my God, I think it would be so romantic to live on a houseboat. Nancy's like, I'm sure it's cramped and like, not as awesome as you're picturing. And then they walk in and Nancy's like, oh, I was wrong. Like, there's a lot to love about this. So they're talking to the professor and the professor, professor is like yeah I desperately wanted that manuscript and Nancy's like so you like this you wanted to hate read the Napoleon manuscript because you fucking hate him so much and the professor's like no I love him he's fabulous he's fucking Napoleon short king love it and Nancy's like huh oh okay okay that's hmm Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So she says that, yeah, she really tried to get um, Mila Kunis to sell it to her and Mila Kunis absolutely refused to. She was like out of spite. Um, I think that actually that she had bid on the manuscript, like both of them were bidding on it. And then she was like, she outbid me just to fuck me up. Like I ain't here for her. She's a bitch. And is like, I mean, you're not wrong. She is a bitch, but that's fine. So, um, You know, I can't, oh, oh, the other thing is that, um, Chad, the lumberjack who fished George out of the pool was like, man, you're hot. I see all that flesh coming through that, that dress. Are you doing anything later? So Nancy's like, okay, we spotted him coming out of the antique dealer's place. We, and then he was at the party where the dress was caught aflame. We, we don't know. Um, you should date him. And George, who of course is recovering from an injury is like, well, he already came to see me in the hospital and he asked me out, and Nancy's like, you should, you should follow up on that, you should just follow that trail to wherever it goes, chase that beautiful butterfly, and George is like, I mean, if you think so, and Nancy's like, I'll y'all get some, just, just do it, and that's at college, but please understand that I'm cheering for you, so, um, let me think, What? Else. oh, I think, I can't fucking remember exactly what happens to do this. Ooh, ooh, okay. I think I do. I think I do. Okay. So the thing is that like Nancy goes to visit the Sheik and she sees that um his fiance has a copy of the Empress's Flame. And she sees it and she's like, Oh my god, she has it is is she in, and no. So this is what Sheik Abdullah tells her. Um he purchased or um, Saeed from Lost, he tells Nancy that he purchased it, and then he found out after that it was almost certainly a copy, but he paid, like, a quarter of a million fucking dollars for it, and, um, like, basically, his fiance doesn't care as long as it's, like, to her the genuine dress, like, that's, that's all she fucking cares about, is that it's at least, like, an authentic reproduction, and he's like, and it's perfect, like, I have no complaints about it. It looks great. I'm here for it. So Nancy's at her hotel, like they're waiting on a call from Richard Branson over something. And like the sheik's bodyguards show up and they're like, You will come with us. And Bess and George are like, Fuck no, she's not going with you. What the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? And Nancy's like, No, it's fine. Um, I'll I'll be fine and if I'm not back by dark, like um, call the cops, I guess. Anyway, so they take her to the Sheik's house, and the Sheik is distraught because Stephanie March came to his house and fucking, st- like, took away the copy of the dress because she said that it was involved in the crime somehow, and he's like, "I we're getting married on Saturday. Like, I have to get that dress back, and Nancy's like, I've got an idea. Um, I'm going to call the same seamstress But I don't know who it is. So she calls um, Mila Kunis and she's like, hey, um, you know how you got a copy of that dress made? Like, which seamstress did that for you? Because I have another rush. She doesn't want to say exactly what it is. She's like... I've got another rush job that needs to be done, and Mila Kunis is like, oh, okay, let me call her, so then she puts Nancy on hold for, like, 10 minutes or whatever the fuck, and then she comes back on the line, she's like, oh, my God, um, she, like, is out of town and, like, until, like, Monday, so you can call her on Monday, and Nancy's like, no, we can't fucking call her on Monday, fine, fine, so just shut up, um, But later on, she's like, that seems super fucking convenient that she was able to turn the dress around like 12 hours, like a day ago. And now she's like suddenly mysteriously out of town. So she calls, um, Matt Bomer and she's like, Hey, um, who handles the costuming on your, and I'm not even sure if she goes through him. I think that she maybe calls the studio directly and asks to be connected to the costuming department. And she's like, Hey, um, have you heard of the Empress's Flame? And the woman's like, have I, I've made, I've made a copy of that dress already this week. And Nancy's like, oh, okay, um, can, can you make another copy of it? She's like, sure, fuck yeah. (laughs) I've got extra material, like, I've already got the material I would need for it anyway, it's fine, we're, you know, we're going through a slow time on the set right now, so it's no big, and Nancy's like, oh my god, thank you so much, like, because, of course, the chic is like, price is no object, and so Nancy's like, and price is no object, and the woman's like, thank you, I'm here for it, you're gonna get a 200% tip off that, it's good, so, um, I think what was it exactly? They um I think it was Mila Kunis who was talking to Nancy, who again seems unperturbed by a lot of this. Like everybody seems unperturbed. They're like, Oh well, I'm rich and it doesn't matter that some priceless shit was stolen slash burned. Um so Amanda's like Amanda and Mila are both going to the thing and Mila's like oh my god are you gonna get your costumes from Matt Bomer's father's studio because that's where I got all my costumes and so Nancy's like um sure it's fine so and I can't remember I think that she goes and gets like a cape like a royal cape with a crown I can't remember exactly why like there's a reason to it um George decides to go dressed as Princess Leia because of course she does, and I cannot remember what, what the fuck best does. Can't even fucking remember. Oh, Marilyn Monroe. She decided to give him Marilyn Monroe. She was like, I think I can pull that off, and we were like, you do it, girl. You go for it. Um. So I think that George was gonna go with Chad. Who? Okay. They decide to go back to the pool because where George fell in to see if maybe they can find some evidence or to jog George's memory or something because George cannot remember what happened between her putting on the dress and like basically being pulled out of the pool. Like she can't remember anything between those. Two. She can't remember what happened during the fire. And Nancy's like, that's, I mean, that seems reasonable because it was pretty traumatic. But anyway, they decide to go because George finally remembers that something seemed weird about the crown pendant she was like, it felt hot. And then right after that is when the dress caught on fire. And so Nancy's like, okay, whatever set off the fire was inside that crown pendant. So if we can find the remains of it, maybe we can get analyzed or it'll have some sort of clue on it so that we can figure out what's going on. So they go out to the pool, but they don't find anything in the pool. Cause it looks like maybe the pool has been cleaned since then or whatever. And somebody's like, intruder stop or I'll shoot or whatever okay so again this is Amanda Seyfried's mansion and it's Chad the lumberjack who went on a date with George and made out with her and so George sees this and she's like oh shit and Nancy's like I'm sorry honey and George is like I should have known lumberjacks are fickle people anyway so then they decide to go to Chad's house Um, Chad is, um, George said that she's been to Chad's place and Chad lives in like a mansion like everybody else. So they go to that place and after they break in, they find that it's basically empty as though he's just moved into it maybe. And all of his shit is in a a back room and they've got like chemistry equipment and they've got a manila folder full of stuff about Nancy and her friends and it just looks super sus. And they all look at each other and they're like, it's Chad. It's been Chad the whole time. So, anyway. Okay. So, that's what they've decided. They are going to go to the gala. And they are going to surprise whoever it is. They've decided. And I think that what happens is that Nancy... De- yeah. Nancy decides to go in a one of the reproduction uh, Empress's flame dresses. Because she wants to startle the person who is doing all this and confessing. So. So, they show up at the party. Um trying to think if anything else happened before this point that I need to point out to you or talk about, and I don't think so. So they go to the party. Nancy is talking to somebody when, um, I think she's talking to Matt Boomer when this guy walks up dressed as a cowboy, and he's like, or maybe maybe Matt Boomer's dressed as a cowboy. Yeah, I think he is because he has a pistol, and of course it's real. Um, So this guy walks up, and he's like, oh my god, your work on that demolition was just fantastic, and Nancy's like, Matt Bomer, I thought that you said that you just like to hang out at your dad's studio. Like, you don't do any hands-on work. And the guy's like, no, he's the best demolitions guy in the business. And Nancy's like, is he? And then they're talking to somebody else. And that person is like, oh, the clue that I need to give you is that I know that Matt Bomer is not hard up for money, but Mayla Kunis and Amanda Safree definitely are because, you know, everything that they inherited, basically they can't touch. So, they're in debt up to their eyeballs. Oh, oh! the other thing that Nancy had found out at this point was that um, they went out to the house to talk to the professor again with her cats. And they walked in, and there was a shirt that had, some, like, a blood stain on it and the water faucet had been left on, and the cats are all meowing. And Bess is like, can I feed them? Please, can I feed them? And Nancy's like, go ahead and feed them. I think they're fine, but okay. Um, so they're like, did somebody abduct her? Is she okay? Did something happen? And it also, there's a fucking... <laughs> the car that they're using for this has a fucking car phone in it. Like, Oh my God, 1988. You're giving us everything like a bag phone. She's got a bag phone. Um, so she's talking like, I think that the professor, like Nancy's trying to reach the professor and she fin- the professor finally calls Nancy back and she says, Oh, I'm in like an in, in actual LA, like an hour away or something. And somebody, she had found out that the Napoleon manuscript that apparently burned in the fire is now available on the black market. And Nancy's like, is it, huh? Good to know. That's around the same point that um Nancy Bess and George were driving somewhere up a. I think it was to the Sheiks Mansion actually, when somebody drove up next to them and dumped like a a cup full of like very viscous oil onto their windshield so that they would just, you know, go over a cliff and it would be untraceable because nobody would question the black oil on their windshield. It's fine. But of course Nancy got around that because, you know, Nancy, she's probably a little on Mario Kart and she knows how to steer around this shit. So So anyway, um so yeah, they're at the party and Nancy hears all these clues and she's like, "Oh. Okay. Um, they're supposed to go up to Richard Branson's office so that they can have it out with everybody. But, um, once they get up there, Nancy's like, so Matt Bummer, it was you the whole time. And he's like, yes, yes, it has been. It's been me the whole time. Yeah. I burned everything. So, so here's the thing. Matt Bummer enjoys fire. Matt Bummer is like a pyro. He, he's into it. He's here for it. Um, Yeah. He got Amanda in on it because, of course, he found out Amanda needed money, and the extortion scheme seemed pretty cool. Like, she was in on it. She was like, I'm here for it. So Mila Kunis is like, yeah. So if they pretend that the thing has been burned up, they can then sell the thing on the black market. Sure, sure, that's how that works. Um, Same thing with Amanda Seyfried. She couldn't sell the dress, so they had two copies made. And I think that when Nancy called the costumer, she was like, oh, yeah, I've already made two copies of it. Nancy's like, huh, that's strange. Okay, we're going to move on. Um, So, yeah, both of the dresses that Nancy was there checking out were copies. Like, the original was not even on the premises at that point. So, it makes sense that Nancy would be looking at the dresses and going, wow, these are really, really well-preserved dresses. Because, no, they were, like, brand spanking new. So. So, yeah. Um, you get the, get whatever the thing is, make a copy of it and burn that up. So I was, I was like, he probably stole all the cash in that vault, which probably he did. I don't think he mentions it, but it's fine. He, again, he's not a hard up for money, so he may not have, um, Chad, who they went and grabbed and who showed up in the office with uh, Richard Branson's office, is an insurance investigator. He is working with Stephanie March and that's why he was there on the premises because, um, they had a feeling that the Empress of was going to be the next thing to be attacked or burned or whatever. So, um... Yeah, so Nancy, of course, is like, oh, there's a second copy of the dress, so that's good because the sheik's going to need it for his wedding and everything. That's, that's real nice. Um, anyway, but Matt Bomer, of course, has a gun, and he's like, okay, well, we're going to have to kill you because you know too much, and Nancy's like, of course, yes, that's how this goes. So Nancy, best George, and Chad, the lumberjack slash insurance adjuster, um, are all put into an empty dumpster with some carbonate remnants, and some loose wood, maybe some balsa wood, with some accelerant on it, um, anyway, so Matt Bomer had figured out how to put nitro something into a capsule, so that it would eat through the, whatever the barrier was, and it would explode, so he's like, yes, I'm very proud of myself, and he's, he's like, you should be, you dick, um, so anyway, and also, the entire time Amanda Seyfried is like, "I never wanted to do this," and Milo Kunis is like, "Shut up!" And they keep going at each other, and you know, because Malakunas Kunis is the brains behind this operation, and Amanda Seyfried is the weak link. So there's that. Um, so yeah, they're thrown in the dumpster. They throw in some sort of thing which is going to explode. Like they can tell that it's got a fuse on it and everything. They're they're tied up. So Nancy, of course, like manages to untie herself by rubbing her ropes on some sharp item nearby. Maybe some broken glass IDK. Anyway, she manages to get free. She frees everybody else. They all get out of the dumpster. They get around the building before it explodes. Um, then they come out and the cops are there to like do something about it. And there's Matt Bomer watching the fire with joy in his eyes. (laughs) So they walk up behind him. They're like, guess what, bitch, and he's like, no, and everything's done, so, yes, we, we caught the baddie, just a spoiled little rich boy who'd like to set shit on fire, yeah, good times, yeah, so, um, Nancy goes to the sheik's wedding, (laughs) we don't get to see it, sadly, um, so, we're in the, um, I think the limo that's taking them to the um, airport afterward, and they're like, oh my God, that wedding was so great, and like, we had such a good time, and I'm so glad they invited us. That was just perfect, and and we had a perfect ending to the case, and of course, they're flying back to Chicago, where Ned is, and it's going to be fantastic, and there is a point during the book where I think Nancy's like, I'm tired, and I'm going to go to bed and call Ned for the next two hours, and we're going to fall asleep talking to each other, and maybe have some phone sex, so don't interrupt me. Good night so, and scene, so, yeah, that's how the book ends, with a wedding, and for, like, probably not the first time, but honestly, like, the foreigner was not the baddie, so I'm, I'm not, like, I'm, I'm here for it, I like the fact that he was, like, yeah, I just, I lost in a poker game, I don't, maybe he does recover it by the end of this, because, of course, like, but I don't know, I don't know, doesn't really matter. He got married. He was happy. It's fine. Um, the next book. Oh my god! The most book. The next book isn't the most likely to die, which is the one where Nancy has a high school reunion. And for those of you who are like, didn't she literally just graduate from high school in these books? Yeah, she's perpetually in the summer right after high school. Although I guess you could possibly say that it's been a year. I think you could maybe do that based on the fact that the year keeps repeating itself. So. So yeah, so Nancy gets to meet up with the people that she literally just graduated high school from with. Yeah, so that's going to be a real fun ride for all of us. So um, what did we learn during this book? If somebody threatens something and says that they will set it on fire, they're going to steal it and set a copy of it on fire and leave the ashes for you to find. That's what we learned during this book. Also, Matt Bomer, hot, but also maybe the baddie. Just just saying, like this felt very white collar to me where it was like, Oh yes, I have snuck into your impenetrable vault and set something on fire. But anyway. Um also Richard Branson probably should not have diversified into hotels. I'm just saying. Like it doesn't seem like a natural fit. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Um Yeah. Don't fall in love with lumberjacks also a thing. Just yeah. the funniest thing for me, though, that was, like, Nancy's, like, maybe somebody is angry at Napoleon, and I was, like, again, only Napoleon artifacts found in the greater LA area, like, that's, that seems like a very narrow set of Napoleon artifacts to take out your rage on, but maybe you are local, and you don't have a lot of money for travel, and so this seemed like the best thing for you to do, is to sneak into people's homes, threaten their precious goods for a million dollars, and then just burn them up. Sh- sure, sure, absolutely. You know I mean business, because I've set fire to other things as well, so yeah, good job. I don't know that we've learned anything, but I- I'm, again, I'm grateful that Saeed from Lost gets to escape the unscathed and his, his now wife got to wear her copy of a gown, because at the end of it, I was like, but if he thought that he purchased the gown, like maybe just give him the gown. I don't know. The weirdest thing about this is that they, like Nancy has legit concerns about her wearing a gown. She's like, no, this, this seems real, real bad. And she's like, but it's in such good condition. I'm like, again, because it's not real. Like, oh my God. Anyway. So yeah, good times. Okay. So next time most likely to die, which I'm super fucking stoked about because there's so much bonkers shit in that book. So until that time, stay sleuthing, my friends.